Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hello. Leavers and believers, welcome back or welcome to, if you're here for the first time, Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and I'm so happy that you've decided to join us today for this conversation. Before we get into the episode, we've got to have a quick review of the week. It's been, yeah, just another series of, you know, as they said in The Wizard of Oz, it's just been another wonderful week of ha ha ha, ho ho ho. And a couple of tra-la-las, because that's how they laugh the day away in the merry old land of what the hell is going on, Brian? I know Grace is really wanting to chat about the last couple of events that uh, they've had. An evening with Brian and Bobby took place and, you know, Bobby's heartbroken over what's been going on that's all been happening to her. Uh, Brian gave an altar call for the business people because we don't have time to waste anymore, apparently. And he was not very impressed with the fact that only about a quarter of the seats were filled. I mean, who would have thought? Who wouldn't want to go out on a Wednesday night and spend some time with some desperate grifters? Brian doesn't like empty seats. And I've got a feeling that, you know, coming up real soon, he's going to be in a place where it's going to be standing room only. Being his criminal trial. And I think heartbreak uh, is going to take on a new meaning when truth falls into play. The best, as they say, is yet to come out. We would all like to discuss the case a lot more in Australia, but the subjudice laws, which are there to protect the innocent before the court so that we're not supposed to publish material on cases before the courts uh, in case it unfairly influences the outcome. So we're all just keeping really quiet right now. And as for the ho-ho-hos, I tell you what, when those tinder profiles for pastors start getting sent in goodness isn't that a turn up for the books the theological books it's definitely been a fascinating journey watching these guys think that they have total protection no one's ever going to see what took place and watching technology catch up with them and we're like hi yeah yeah we're here it should be a fascinating circus to watch over the next couple of months 
because every single one of them's got skin in this game, so yeah. Rearranging those deck chairs on the Titanic is getting more frantic than ever. And if you're wondering why all of this matters, it matters because of kids like Kat. Kat is who is joining us today from South Australia to tell us about her experience growing up in the AOG, just a little country church in a little country town in Australia, which had a huge impact on one woman's life. Kat's in Adelaide right now, and it's a really pretty place, Adelaide. It's so gorgeous and quiet and peaceful and then they have some serial killers like the bodies in the barrels and that's a bit of Australiana for today really gorgeous country place just a few brutal serial killers and it's fascinating to me and I hope it is to you too as you listen to these stories and all these similarities despite the differences it's it's just incredible as we piece our stories together and tell our history Kat works in crisis support in an incredibly challenging role and she opened her heart for you today. I hope Into the Fire resonates with you. There's such interesting themes that Kat brought out that, you know, just seem to keep coming up time and time again. So here's Into the Fire with Kat. Kat! Tanya. Hello. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm I'm feeling good about having our chat today. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I'm excited to share everybody, with everybody your story. It's a Friday afternoon. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us here. No, it's uh, a pleasure. You know how this all works. Let's kick off from scratch with, you know, how did you find yourself, God, in the, in, in the Assemblies of God Church? How did you wind up there? So I found myself in an AOG church. Um, I had a friend who invited me to a, a production that their church was putting on called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Mm-hmm. She was cast as an angel, so she was pretty excited about that and she wanted me to come and see this play. I guess a bit of my background prior to accepting an invitation like that was that I'd grown up in a Lutheran church When I was around 12 or 13, my mum got involved with the tambourine playing Lutherans and I guess that branched out to a more modern type church that was called Living Waters. It was in Mildura, so these are back in the Mildura days. And there was lots of people being slain in the spirit, lots of upbeat songs, lots of drums that sort of stuff. I kind of already had a bit of exposure to church in a way that was a bit more than what I guess you'd be traditionally exposed Uh to. So I'd currently been going to a youth group and I knew that I wanted to feel God more, whatever that means. It sounds Uh interesting Uh these days. Um, But yeah, it was certainly something that I was interested in. So by the time my friend invited me to this play I was pretty keen the premise of the play is that it like follows little segments of people who are going through a particular scenario so for example they might be in a car and they're just driving along and they're talking and then there'll be a car crash and they die and it's about what happens once you die and have you repented have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the different scenarios would show people either who had you know died and said the sinner's prayer and then that the trumpets would sound and Jesus would come and welcome them into heaven and if they hadn't done that then the black covered actors would come out and drag whoever hadn't said the sinner's prayer to hell so it was pretty confronting. I was pretty brutal, yeah. Yeah, I was like in year 10. I don't really know how old year 10 people are. Maybe they're 15, 16. Mm-hmm. So pretty impressionable. And especially when you're thinking about wanting to know God more and then like suddenly there's this exposure to mm-hmm. the urgency to know God more because if you don't, there's that risk that you will be thrown into the hell flames for eternity. Now, just quickly to tell the rest of the world, where do we find Mildura? Cool. So Mildura is 
in Victoria on the border between New South Wales and Victoria and right on the Murray River. Country town, so you're a country girl. Yeah, yeah. Bit, it's a bit of a country town. It's getting bigger, but, yeah, I was happy to leave that behind. But, I mean, we'll get to, we'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so you go to the play. So I go and... to the play <laughs> and then I get terrified. Yeah, funny that. Mm. Because you know, because it being a what I wanted to be, I guess, a good Christian person, mm. I feel as though it's the people who want to be really good and really close to God that really get struck by that sense of urgency to yeah. make sure there's that constant yeah. repentance. Um, and the car know. crash thing is just such a favourite example, isn't it? And yeah. when we're all about to jump in the car, it could happen to anyone at any point kind of thing too, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, cool. I guess some of the other parts in the play, like because this is how insidious it is and how I guess, you know, when you're looking at the overarching way that the AOG tries to get its members or tries to, you know, get its tentacles in and start controlling people, is it? comes up with all of these different scenarios like there's one where there's these kids and they're all like hooligans and they're all running along the train tracks being silly and then they all get hit by the train Um, and then when they go to the afterlife one of the kids turns out to be a pastor's kid and like satan comes out and he's like oh i love i love pastor kids like pastor's kids were kind of always set apart yummy and yeah they were the ones that were really um yeah i guess like Satan's dessert or something like what? Yeah, yeah, like that was the, the cherry on top. Like he Ooh. could really have anyone he wanted, but if he got a if he got a pastor's kid, then yeah, he was really winning. But there was one one where there was a woman who suicides and she gets dragged off to hell and <gasps> plenty of stigma around suicide as it is without having to having to showcase oh, yeah. the complexities of what Christians can potentially believe about suicide. You know, there were some examples of people going to heaven as well, like little old ladies and, you know, dying in their sleep happily. And hmm. Hmm. yeah. They, they must be innocent. By the time you're 80, you, you <laughs> have no history. It's great. Yeah. 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 No, you've not, you've not stepped a foot wrong in all of those years. <laughs> Kept up with your repentance. You haven't forgotten. No, it's, it's great. Heaven sounds like an exciting place full of, Old people and yeah. pastors' kids that are terrified. People, yeah, praying and singing to God eternally. Sounds riveting. I went to the play a couple of times. I reckon I went maybe two or three times because mm-hmm. I they give you the opportunity to say the sinner's prayer at the end of this and, um, you know, you can never get enough of the sinner's prayer when you're mm-hmm. really trying to be a good Christian and you're not wanting to miss out on eternity with Jesus it makes me cringe now to think of all the time that I spent mm. repenting and and saying that prayer but meanwhile mm. um I ended up at the AOG church I thought their youth group were mm-hmm. you know way more into God than what the original youth group were and that's how it kind of all started and so your friend from the play is in youth group as well that's right yeah so you friends you make new friends there and stuff and then do you start going straight away all the time or yeah look I, it kind of felt almost like when you leave a job and you start another job like you kind of have to get brave enough to yeah. almost put in a resignation I, i'd been in the music group at the first church for a little while and um i think some of the youth people weren't that happy that i was leaving but they were also very focused on what was happening in their lives and I don't think it really mattered that much and we're only kids so you just kind of move um my mum didn't mind like she was happy that I was I guess going to another church where I was finding some sort of fulfillment Uh, I, I think I kind of just started going to the youth group started going to the church on Sundays twice on Sundays every time I listened to the podcast and I listened to how Many times all of us went to church in a week. I'm driving along and I'm just laughing because I'm just <laughs> thinking we just all did this like, yep, we only didn't go to church on Mondays because that was yep. a men's meeting, but Tuesday prayer meeting, Wednesday fellowship, Thursday okay. 
Thursday seems to be the universal music practice okay. night from, from what I've learned from your pod. <laughs> Youth group Friday, Saturday and, and, and double time on, wow. on Sunday. Okay. So it's so much time. Just It's just seen as normal anyway. No one even yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not going that much, then, you know, there's kind of that question about how hard are you chasing after God? And yeah, just that yeah. guilt, that guilt that sits behind it. If you decide to go to the cinema instead of go to the the fellowship mm. on the, the Wednesday, you know, what does that kind of say about where your priorities are? And it's just mm -hmm. this constant guilt. So you kind of relinquish your life and you go to church and you go to everything that they do. So how, I mean, how long did that go for? So I reckon, yeah, from from maybe like year 11 and 12, I was going to the AOG and I left by the time I was just turning 24. So quite a while. Okay. Yeah, that's quite a lot. A while. That's a lot. Yeah. You're talking about going six days a week and for all of those years, you think? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. um, that's a lot. Your life would have changed in that time, obviously, yep. from 10th yep. grade to uh, where did you find yourself at 24 working? You Tell me, like, what you were doing in those years until 24 to have these commitments that you still had to, you know, keep up. And I don't know. It was kind of like if, if I was, you know, looking to get – I worked in hospitality and I worked in the okay. fit, fitness industry for a while, but, you know, I could never commit to shifts or hours on a Sunday because I had mm -hmm. church. But I think I must have ended up being able to manage that somehow. It's a little bit of a blur, but I know that I didn't not go. Like I went all – I literally went yep. all the time and yep. – yeah, I, I, I can't remember. I'm really sorry. No, no, no. The memories are thing as well. It's interesting what we I, do and I don't remember. Worked in a bakery for a bit and mm -hmm. then I worked in the gym instead and, yeah, but there was always time, always time for church. I remember I was studying my fitness degree in when I was still going to church. I, don't, I think maybe I left not long after I qualified. What was that like and what sort of, what you know, what did you observe and you were going through and, I mean, eventually you've left. So something must have, you know, some things must have happened along the way if you want to yeah. tell us what you saw. And uh, Music was a big part of my time in the church. Mm -hmm. I played the drums and the guitar. I became one of the worship leaders. So I think, you know, there's certainly that element that, you know, kept me interested and kept me feeling like I had a purpose. Mm. Mm. Um, Music is huge. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's another one of the themes that I've heard from lots of people that you've had chats mm. with over the, the time I've been listening, that, you know, it is something that is just you just want more of whatever that feeling is. Um, that you get from being in that music team and being in that worship space where you just get mm -hmm. lost. And, you know, I find now that I can listen to any kind of music and it has the same okay. impact on my soul, still have that sensitivity to, you know, beautiful open guitar chords or, you know, something that builds and builds and lifts and then just pans out. Like it's, you can certainly see that there's, you know, the, mm -hmm. the strategy with the music that churches use it is to get people in and, and keep them feeling like they need more and they need to keep coming. Uh -huh. So I was in the music team and it feels like it was such a long time ago. I'm feeling like my timeline's all over the shop. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not linear. It's not chronological. No. It's a story. You had a similar experience to mine with the music mm. stuff and the, the secular music yeah, I really loved the cause, all that Irish stuff. Um, I really loved them. I loved their their music and I loved the lead singer to the point that, you know, I don't think the cause were very popular back then. So, like, I would draw pictures of them to put on my walls. Like, I couldn't just go to the TV Hits magazine to get a cause <laughs> poster out. I bought their first single, the Forgiven Not Forgotten single. It was my prized possession. I'd had that for years before I ended up at the AOG. But, you know, it did kind of get to that point where they were, again, really wanting us to focus on how we could, 
you know, strengthen our relationship with God and that would be to remove all of the on, ungod, mm. ungodly things from our lives. So that would mean in some cases destroying that stuff and they'd, they'd talk to us about that and they said that they were going to have a bonfire at the youth group and that we could bring any of that secular stuff that was hindering our relationship with God to the bonfire so that we could put that in. So I went to the cause concert in 96. I had a couple of t-shirts. I had the albums. Like I was a collector at that point. Um, my friend who'd been the angel, she came to my house the day before and she said, you're actually not going to put that stuff in there, are you? Cause I was, you know, on the edge there and she gave me a pair of scissors and she said, cut it up, scratch it up. And then you can put that in the bonfire tomorrow. So wow. I'd pre destroyed everything because yeah, she didn't think I'd ruin it. And then, yeah, that following night I did put the cause stuff, which was already wrecked into the fire. Um, once everything had gone into the fire and we kind of all did that process, the youth pastor had us all sign a covenant. What? To, okay. Yeah, sign a covenant to say that, you know, we'd move that out of our lives and we were going to stay, you know, stay pure for God or whatever the hell the covenant says. Um, that was relevant to green, basically, to not not engage in that and just stay strictly for Jesus. At that point, I stopped watching TV, didn't okay. listen to any music on the radio. And, like, that's had a huge impact, I feel, sometimes in my life where even now there'll be people who are my age that I've met just in general, general mm -hmm. life that I'm friends with. They'll be like, oh, I remember this movie. And I'll be like, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> Because it was yeah. at the yeah. same period of time. So yeah. I went for a really long time not watching TV and, and movies. And strangely, that's one of the things that I find now that brings me down to earth and grounds me and gives me that opportunity to find myself and feel refreshed in life kind of takes you away from reality for a bit. Yeah, but... yeah. and I mean, I'm just while you're saying that, I'm wondering, not that we, we think that they're necessarily that sophisticated or premeditated but they definitely know that narrowing your focus will you know leave you with less options better get back to church I guess and yeah well they get people with energy and they get them to just completely spend all of it for their purpose you lose your autonomy you, you just become another cog really that and bible yeah. reading like the way that bible reading was like really I guess really challenged like you kind of would it was almost like if you were at a course and you hadn't done the pre-reading that you wouldn't know what yeah. what the material is about so it's just kind of like just this ongoing strain and I don't have my youth bible anymore it sounded similar to your bible okay. that you mentioned in your book how you're like it's all underlined it's yeah the, was it the NIV or the New NIV, King James yeah sure. NIV yeah I don't remember getting rid of it, but yeah, look, you sort of go through all of the, all of that New Testament stuff that kind of puts you in your place and you kind of make it say what you think they're trying to make it say so that yeah, yeah. you can justify that you're doing the right thing and staying righteous. And so, so I just feel like there's so much time that gets sucked out of your life when you're trying to live by those, those standards. Mm. I'm not in any way a Christian now. I get quite cross at it I don't believe in God and Jesus and yeah I'm really grateful to be out from under the rock well it sounds like you'd say you're saving a lot of time during the week as well and I, <laughs> I mean you know we can laugh at that and stuff but it's true like yes you know if you're doing something almost every single weeknight and most of the weekend mm. you miss out on everything else that's right I mean what what kind of change for you over those years, you're looking around and still attending and supporting. But So a bit of a plot twist. The friend that was an angel and I fell in love. Oh. <laughs> and so for a really long time, the both of us were living a, a double life where okay. we had each other and that was really great. We were really in love with each other and all of that. And we were also trying to do
do the best we could to hide that from the church and the mm-hmm. pastors and like that was really bloody hard because if you think about falling in love with someone you can't eat and you can't sleep yeah. and you're excited and you're happy and people notice those sorts of things in you when you just kind of have to try to just calm it down and just be grounded and just you know keep worshiping God and you know being a worship leader and having a dirty secret like that was... uh, and that's uh, just relationships in life are just hard enough without all yeah. of that that's all it's just you know you find something good yeah and you've automatically got to put a you know suppress it that's yeah. it can't be a wonderful way to be introduced to relationships either mm. uh, no okay and no, so what we... happened there well, yeah, I guess when you're so young and you're kind of finding yourself and kind of potentially finding your sexuality and also just having this great big, you know, cloud of guilt come over you and, you know, all of those things that we'd underlined in our Bibles about sexual immorality and staying pure and staying righteous and staying strong for God and then just constantly feeling like you're failing because you can't, you can't really battle against who you are at the core. And, you know, we spend so much time then trying to repent and change that. Yeah. Um, It's consuming. It's consuming. But, you know, God got the better of us. And there were certainly times where we thought we should stop what we were doing because we certainly didn't want to burn in hell for eternity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but we would relapse, if you want to call it that, because we loved each other. To a point, however, you know, it had to stop at some point because, you know, this is really about our eternity and we need to make this decision, we need to we need to stop. So mm-hmm. that relationship ended and um, it was never really talked about or I'm not entirely sure who knew exactly what was going on, even though as I got older I found out that my mum and her mum had even had phone conversations about mm-hmm. how they were worrying about how close we were getting and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think people made a lot of assumptions, yet, you know, it was early 2000s. No one really said what they were thinking. They just assumed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we had a visiting minister. I can't remember what his name was, but I went up for the altar call and the relationship was over and I was feeling pretty bad about it all. And I ended up just saying to him that I'd, I was bawling my eyes out, I remember, and he was Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can say it. And I just said, you know, I slept with a girl. And so then he was like, that doesn't mean anything. Like people experiment, but, you know, you've come forward now. And from here, I guess, I can't remember what he bloody said, but something along to the effect of like, you can only move forward from here. And, now you know, you know, now we know sort of thing. And I would imagine that he told the pastors of the church and they kind Mm. of looked at me, they looked at me a little bit differently after that. They, kind of looked like, you know, she's exposed it and let's just move on. Like I've heard some real hideous stories of people that I've known who've come out in church who've just been absolutely made a, a spectacle of and it's really been so impactful in such an awful way. But mm. I was fortunate they didn't either have the courage to do that or maybe they didn't feel they had the facts. Okay. And from then, you know, I felt like I'd turned a page and you know got back right up on the stage and I was still doing my worship leading and the music director at the time I'm not entirely sure if she knew the whole thing she was like maybe just a couple of years older than me her and I became good friends and we would go busking and we would she was a singer and I play the guitar and um, we would hang out and she just had this relationship with God that everyone envied for for one thing like she never even had a tv (laughs) you know that was pretty epic but like on a sunday night when it was like the altar call she would need three catches because you never just knew where the holy spirit would throw her Uh and she would go left she would go right and you know the catches would kind of be like looking at each other trying to work out where she was going to jump to and one time she jumped so hard she threw her back into a wall and there was a hole in the wall like and it was all this this god you know movement of god that was just in her that 
caused all Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Anyway. More must everyone, be better. Yeah. yeah. You'd want to aspire to that, right? Like if God is touching someone in that way, how do I get that and mm -hmm. can it be now? Because I'm clearly lacking. So I was just like beside myself that she wanted to hang out with me. I loved when we played guitar and sang together. It was It was a really great time, but eventually she started to be like, she pulled back, which I was really worried about because how am I going to learn and grow and be like her and her relationship with God if she's pulling away? And then it turned out that she thought that I was interested in her in the way that I'd been in love with my other friend, mm -hmm. which wasn't the case at all. And she told the youth pastor and the youth pastor took me off the music group oh, and man. Said, he said to me you have feelings for her like someone would in a married couple and I was like denying it because it wasn't true. You're five years old like when a man and a woman love each other very much <laughs> yeah it's pretty confronting and untrue look I mean I was pretty passionate about being her friend I'll certainly say that I would have been you know, intense back then, just, re but it was, it was around the mm -hmm. relationship that she had with mm -hmm. God that was just so enviable. There was the, oh, what was it in Pensacola, the Pensacola revival. And she would just mm -hmm. sit in her house and just listen to that cassette, like on loop over and over and over and over. And, you know, when the gold movement kind of came through, we would just sit on her couch, looking at our hands, trying to will that God would choose us to <laughs> put the gold on us and all that so much pressure yeah. to to achieve something that isn't even necessarily measurable like you won't even know when you get there like yeah you know what is it when you need three catches that you you've arrived there or you, for me it was always so insane so anxiety producing because it's so insatiable and you can never do enough and you that's right yep yep and that's and a lot for a kid the people that would like rock up to church on a sunday and be like I got the gold, I was standing in the shower and I rubbed the back of my neck and I pulled my hand out in front of me and it was covered in gold. And you're like, well, where's the gold now? Okay. Huh? Wow. Where, like, where is it? Oh, it went down the drain. Oh. Also, God chose you in the shower and then washed the gold down the drain and no one could see it. And then we just all wanted it. You know, it wasn't real. Yeah. 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 So they took me off yeah. the music group. And the music director was very skittish and sketchy around me, like just would, like as if I was, you know, some kind of criminal, wouldn't come near me, wouldn't talk to me, that sort of thing. So I had to do some character building at the direction of the youth pastor. Ew, what's character building? Character building, well, I guess, you know, if I've been like relying on my worship and musician status in the church then I haven't re you know what is that all I've got like how else can God use me what else can I learn from how can I grow but I'm like you've literally just ripped my heart out the music was all I really had and it was my connection to God and you've literally yeah. taken yeah. that away so that was really devastating and at the time the friend that I'd had the relationship with she'd moved into state for a while so she wasn't around yeah. to you know for that support even that would have been tricky I had other good friends in the church who kind of kept me connected and feeling like I could get through whatever this was. I had no knowledge of when the end date of this character building would be. Okay, so they just said no more music will let yeah. you know when you're good enough? Yeah, more or less. Like I had to oh. stand, you know, stand close to the front of the church on a Sunday 
make sure I had my hands up. Ooh. Like, because if I didn't, then I wasn't showing that I was growing. Mm. Having the guitar and worshipping, you just, you have something in your hands. You yeah. don't have to feel so vulnerable. But like, I felt like I was just standing there with nothing and being judged on, you know, judged on my worship abilities. It was really awkward. I just felt so uncomfortable. Because we're talking about small organisations, so, you know, we can't kind of accuse them of, you know, huge premeditated programs, but, you know, they'd have to be able to see the effects it has on people, you know, allowing for that vulnerability and and for people to feel so uncomfortable. It's a little sadistic. Yeah. You know. it's it, and, and, And I just complied. Well... What else could I do? I mean, I didn't know anything else. I just knew I needed to get back to where I'd been and that this was the only road there. Like, I look back at it now and I think, why didn't I leave church then? What were your choices, though? Like, how are you going to argue against the truth bearers? That's right. Well, so how long did that go for? How did that kind of pan out? Well, I reckon it was about 10 like nine or ten months that I wasn't on the music group anymore and then a long time it is a long time I guess I then got used to thinking that maybe I would never be back on we had a church that we started in Robinvale and that's a, a town that's maybe almost an hour away from Mildura because you okay. know every, everyone's got to do the church starting thing and so we would go out to like a random hall in Robinvale and we would most of the time it would just be like me and the pastor and the music director so that kind of was happening before I got kicked off the music group and eventually I think I don't know eventually I started going back again with them and then after that the music director and I were sitting on the stage and I was just I just play, was playing a guitar and she came up and she was, um, then she like was like, oh, we should sing this song. So we just did it like for fun. And I was like, oh my goodness, like she talked to me. She wasn't a cow. She was like quite nice to me. What's going on? In the meantime, I also had moved out of home and I had to move out quite quickly and I hadn't got a place. And so I was living at the youth pastor's house with him and his family. And I just remember telling him that I was like really excited that this had happened with the, you know, playing the guitar and singing. And he was like, oh, you know, just be careful. Don't get too excited sort of thing. And I don't know, after that, I got back on the music group and I reckon I might've been back on the music group for about six months. And the music director did it again, where she was like, she went to the pastor and said that I was too much. And wow. He took me off the music group again and at that point I was just like, what the actual, I don't think that's right or fair. Mm. And the other side of it is that there were other people in the music group that I did consider genuine friends at the time who also didn't feel that what was happening was right or fair Mm. Um, and they were okay to say that to me but they just didn't feel comfortable having a voice uh, and speaking up. So I kind of just felt like I was left to fend for myself. And I remember going to the youth pastor's house to be like, this is just not okay. I'm not okay with this happening again. It's not fair. But he wasn't there. His wife was there and she said, maybe it might be time that you tried to look for another church. Oh and I was just goodness. like really wiped the hands and then I just couldn't believe I mean I'd lived in their house as well like they knew who I was they knew me I remember going home and then he called me and really just to reiterate what she'd said and I just laughed and I hung the phone up okay what made what what what's with that reaction because I think I was just fed up and like I'd already gone through this I'd already had this happen I'd already been through the character building like what could have I possibly done that six months is a pretty quick turnaround for me to have failed already and I'm just like I don't have to put up with this and at that point I'd also had some conversations with a friend of mine who went to a different church but like similar AOG and yeah she was like our pastor wouldn't have done that to you so I went there for a little while and I just I couldn't get into it. I I think it had just been wrecked and 
I just wasn't interested in doing the work. I just felt too conflicted and too disappointed and I just really felt that the people who were supposed to show you God's acceptance and Jesus' love and all that just really did not have any idea how to portray that and you just felt like Mm -hmm. you just felt shit. So I wasn't interested in that anymore. And I think like I'd gotten a new job. I had friends external to church. Ah. You know, I was kind of coming out from under a rock, you know, a very slow kind of way. This was closer to when I was turning 24. Had other friends, you know. Mm -hmm. I had somewhere to fall, whereas before I had, you know, I could only fall somewhere within the walls, but, you know, I had expanded a little bit grown up a little bit, matured a little bit and certainly decided that I was not going to put up with that anymore. And that was it, left. You go from six days a week to what, nothing? Yeah, it was I mean, over that period of time, obviously, but... Yeah. And what was that like? I remember, like, the first Sunday that I didn't get up for church kind of being just weirdly sitting in my house thinking, what do I do? I remember the second Sunday that I specifically remember the second Sunday because Harry Potter had come out. And so, like, we were in church in an age where you couldn't watch, read, think, look, have anything to do with Harry Potter because that was absolutely of Satan and the spells are actually spells and when you say them, you're actually casting a spell and all of that. I went to the cinema and I watched the Harry Potter movie just to be a big, like, yeah, and that's, I mean, that is the turning point, isn't it? It's the old, uh, it's the Harry Potter, that's where. I, I guess also, like, if I'm thinking back to then, like, that was my rebellion. Yes. And now, I'm thinking now, like, that is so soft, <laughs> going to Harry Potter. But, like, back then, that was like, yeah, but, but, I'm going to Harry Potter. Yeah, in context, it's not <laughs> yeah. soft. No. No, Harry Potter's a huge fork in the road. I think I just, like, went to work and said I'm available Sundays. Like, the transition (laughs) didn't really seem that traumatising to me. I think probably the whole time that I'd spent with my character building, like, I wasn't going to music practice. I wasn't having to get there at practice barrows to practice before the Sunday service. I think I'd kind of probably weaned off a little bit so it wasn't as impactful. I reckon I just worked. I reckon I just went to work. And then I started working at a gym and I met someone there who I fell in love with another female. And so as hectic as all of that was, um, because of the, I guess, her, her scenario was that she was with a male partner, she had a baby, so she was having an affair with me. Mm-hmm. But I felt as though I was having an affair on my eternity I really had to fight hard to like untangle all of that guilt I mean to this day I still struggle with the word lesbian because it's just so wrapped up in all of that putrid homophobia that churches spew yeah and you know kind of got to a point where I was like I can't be with you because I, I can't risk my eternity and and I just thought that's stupid as well because I've already been down this road and it's clearly something that I can't fight and why should I fight it? And if there is a God and he made me, then he must have made me like this because I can't do anything yeah. differently. Yeah. And that's it. I've lived happily as a gold star ever since. <laughs> um, yeah, tell us about your life since. So you start working more. What happened to Lady with Baby? What happened with her? Oh, look. I swear to God, that was so cooked. I mean, (laughs) you leave one brainwashing scenario to get into another one. She led me down the garden path, basically, and was a compulsive liar and an absolute troll. and, And I fully fell for it. But all the while, she was also still planning to move to Tasmania with her male partner. So Right. She kind of had two things going, but the other one was really to manipulate me to absolutely leave the picture. And I didn't know that that's what was happening until right 
until it happened and I'd quit my job and I told them I wasn't going to rent in Mildura anymore and I was moving and it all just went tits up. If I don't move to Adelaide, then I'm going to be stuck in a loop with her, which I knew mm-hmm. wasn't good for me. And I also wanted to go and just be able to walk the streets without seeing any people from church and having to do that awkward walk into a shop thing or have them do the awkward walk into the shop thing because they're so gutless. Um, I reckon I'd lived in Adelaide for a period of time and started working at another gym and, Mm -hmm. yeah, just got on with things and made new friends and dated lots of girls and, yeah, haven't haven't really looked back. It's been better. <laughs> and then you ended up with like a perfect one with a perfect name, right? <laughs> I know it's a name that's very familiar to you, one that you know and love. Oh, and now you're living happily ever after in your dream home, yeah. right? Well, it's part. It's a part partly dream home. It's still in progress. She hasn't left me yet, so I can't have too much baggage. Must be all right. <laughs> After you left is when you mm. went on to further study as well, right? So That's right. Chose your profession. I guess just looking back, what do you tell 17-year-old Cap that you wish someone would have told 17-year-old Cap then? Wow, what a good question. Sorry. No, but it's such a good question. You're so well adjusted and thing about having external friends is really huge. It seems yes. to be a really big thing to have other people to talk to. Um, And because they don't come with, like, their sole purpose is to be your friend, not to indoctrinate you and make you feel guilty and make sure you're keeping up your self-surveillance on your sin levels and, like, they just want to go and eat food and watch a movie and, you know, go for a walk somewhere and get to know you and, you know, like, just friend stuff. And I don't really think I'd had... You know, honestly, the best friend that I'd had was the music director and look how that went. Like that was what I thought yeah. a close friendship mm. was. You know, there's another mm. girl who, who was at the church who's just so hilarious and we had, you know, when I was in my character building stage, we had the best fun. We loved Kath and Kim. We loved lots of funny movies and, like, we would just laugh at each other the whole time and, I'm still in touch with her these days and, you know, she's still someone who I've got a lot of respect for and um, she's quite an amazing human. Um, but that's it, that she's the last person from that whole debacle that I'm in touch with, which is, I think is pretty amazing. In terms of what I would tell my 17-year-old self, I would say branch out, find some friends and try to take your gut feeling seriously. Okay, what were your gut feelings? Just gut feelings that shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be feeling mm-hmm. so bad about myself and so bad about what God must be thinking about me. So, yeah, that drives so much. For me, that was, you know, really sat behind so much of it was that I was letting God down and that was something that at the time I didn't want to do. It's a horrible feeling and a huge mm. responsibility and how do you... It's really all up to you as well how you sort that because, you know, you can pray until the cows come home and not hear the audible, helpful voice of God. Like you're really yeah. kind of just trying to discern what you're feeling and is that a direction in this way or a direction in that way? Like it's really difficult. And you yeah. kind of go back to the word and you pick a passage and you're like, well, how does that fit and how does that tell me what I need to know? And it's just this cryptic riddle that you're trying to untangle in your own mind. And, that, you know, if I said to you, Tanya, I think I've, I've upset you, how can I sort it? You'd be like, yes, Kat, when you said this, that hurt me. And we could have a conversation. And mm-hmm. I just don't believe there's, that's just not possible because it's just all in your head with God. God is in your head and if you're having a great day and you're feeling good about your body and your hair's looking awesome, then you're up there and, like, God's on your side. But the second you wake up and your guts are hurting and you have an assignment due and you haven't studied hard enough and then, you know, where's God in that scenario? And it's just this constant, like, shit in your head, just like a cyclone that you can never escape from. Mm. So I'm way glad to be free of that. Yeah, wonderful. I probably should just add a bit about... How I came to find your podcast. And then one day 
<laughs> Tell me. I guess in having such an intense experience with church and having it being such a huge part of my life, it sat with me for a while how I could be so, I guess, susceptible or so vulnerable to getting into a position where I believed what I believed so strongly that I sacrificed so much of my time and my life and my sexuality and my relationship and my TV shows. Like, how you know, how does one get to that point? And over the years, you know, I guess prior to, I think I started listening to your podcast earlier this year, I reckon. Okay. Yeah. I'd been really interested in people who left cults. There's a brilliant book called Unfollow by Megan mm. Phelps Roper. And she is someone just so astonishingly amazing and humble about her whole experience. There's, you know, other people have left like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, um, just different cults. There's one book I read about a woman who left a cult called Kenja. Just yes. really interested to find out how they got to a point where they got in. How did they feel about being there right before they left and what was the leaving like? Because I never really had anything that I could draw as a parallel with someone leaving Christianity or someone yeah. leaving yeah. the AOG until one day came across your book. Okay. The People in Glass Houses book. And I swear, like, I would sit and read that book and just be, like, nodding and smiling and agreeing. And Yay. It, Yay. Like, some of the, the terms of phrase even in your book, I'm like, bang, we used to say that as well. Yes, that's what they used to say. Can I get an amen? Like, you know, you mentioned earlier that we shared similar experience around our secular music and how just gut-wrenchingly devastating it was to have to give that up and not being sure why but doing it anyway. Yes. I, it, it was just, it was insane the fact that I could feel so together or feel less alone in having read your book just I just I couldn't get enough of it oh that's um, wonderful I mean that was me thinking I was the only person on earth so it was my little message in the bottle and I'm glad it reached you that's so cool that's super yeah. cool no no I I am too I I'd not ever read anything so close to how I'd felt and how things had been and um, yeah, so I, I just want to really thank you for going out on the limb and doing everything that you've done and writing your book because you've not just impacted me, you've impacted, you know, all of us. That's why we're here. So it's, it's really wonderful. important Absolutely. to acknowledge that. And to get a chance to do that is also really awesome. And then you stumbled on the podcast. Yeah. I'd listened to a couple of other podcasts because when the war in Ukraine began, my mum, who's still quite Christian, kind of went on a on a bit of a Christian rampage, which she really doesn't do. She has a lot of respect for the fact that I don't believe and I won't believe. But, you know, obviously AOGs hammer down on the end times and the rapture and Jesus coming back and was like, oh, my God, we've just had COVID. Now there's a war. Like it's like natural disasters and global warming. And I was starting to feel a little bit of panic for no apparent reason mm -hmm. but just about the rapture and I googled rapture anxiety and turns out that's a thing and it's all tied in with the the religious trauma that we all endure when okay. we're just ear bashed about what we need to do on earth to secure our eternity so it wasn't until I'd kind of been through that and listened to podcasts one led to the next and then I found you so yeah I got how I got here. Not to be back at the bonfire, but like we're at that kind of bonfire and we're just, honestly, we're all just sitting around and we just make the circle a bit bigger, you know what I mean? And then we're yeah. It's a big part of who I am. and the, the connection seems to be the antidote to the isolation. Hey, so each story on the pile helps. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing and being so open and telling us everything. Some of that is so difficult and so awkward mixed in with the teenage stuff and what everybody's going through as well anyway so congratulations to you no thank you thank you thanks for the platform i don't think our 17 year old selves would have listened no i know so i don't think it's um <laughs> you know necessarily a very practical question but you just sort of wonder yeah what would you say to any 17-year-old if they go, yeah, okay, I haven't thought of it your way. I think I'll do it your way.
but yeah um, yeah no they're not gonna say that <laughs> you, you know past me and future me have fights so you know. yeah yeah thank you cat thank you all right bye bye you see what i mean you see how like people just kind of have the same themes even even that story that Kat tells about having that worship leader that she really admired and wanted to be like, I've heard that story between female friends quite a few times now as well. The kind of cooler, closer to God friend that women seem to attach to and follow around who ends up being quite the narcissist in the end. And after Kat and I did this interview, we were like worried that it wasn't kind of jumpy and bouncy enough and yeah I came away from editing just marveling at this clarity and this insightful ability for her to just recall this stuff with such with such clarity and honesty. Leavers thank you as always for all your support my pretty pretty patrons you make the world go round and thank you to everyone who sends messages it absolutely makes my day this is you know my little creation, my little art, my little sending out there. So thank you so much. It means the world that you get it. There's a trial on in about three weeks time for the former global senior pastor of Hillsong, Brian Houston, and it's set down for three weeks. And I intend to cover that trial as closely as possible. So I'll be leaning on your support there too. There's gonna be a lot going on. We do jump around with content a lot here and we will be going back and forth and there's a lot of factors behind that. Most centrally, the people involved who are the most important to this. So scheduling sometimes has to get rearranged. But I'd really love your ideas and your feedback and your criticisms and your stories and your requests for content. I've got several different themes we're going to keep following. But please keep writing in. There's so much stuff that just, yeah needs to get talked about. If you haven't thus far, don't miss out on the podcast called Hillsong and Mega Church Shattered, which is a follow-up to the Discovery Channel's documentary, uh, Mega Church Exposed, and is narrated by Dan Johnston, who's the creator of the documentary. And the results have been just as haunting. So don't miss that one. I think they're only doing seven or eight episodes, so it's intense material. Please keep your eye on the social media, on Facebook and Insta for updates. I just got a word from Grace that she wants to do pods tomorrow. So who knows what could happen next. Please take care of yourselves. Please be kind to yourselves. Give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Be kind to the next guy and keep leaving Hillsong. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.